Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. For the Jews, Passover was a time when nationalistic fervor was high. The context is that Passover was a time when Jewish people recalled their deliverance from Egypt through Moses and were looking for the prophet like him, like Moses, who was to come. We saw that yesterday when the people wanted to make Jesus king. Well, why did they want to make him king? Well, they expected the prophet to bring deliverance and provide manna, bread from heaven as Moses had done. My friends, water, food, and bread are metaphors that show how spiritual appropriation of the life which Jesus gives is necessary for salvation. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to episode 1970 of our journey together through the Bible, and glad you've chosen not to be alone as we do this every single day, Monday through Saturday, joining you again from my roving microphone, and uh, even though we're on the road, we do this all the time. And consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including how today we see Passover as the foreshadowing of the bread of life. Now today, just because this is how our Old Testament and New Testament readings line up, we're going to reverse the order of the segments so that you see that connection in a historical context. Turning to our Old Testament segment then, yesterday we caught the story of Josiah, king of the southern kingdom of Judah, and we caught that story in 2 Kings, and you'll recall that broadly speaking, 1 and 2 Kings give us the political record. Now in terms of concurrent history, 1 and 2 Chronicles was written a couple hundred years later, and it, by contrast, even though it's about the same period of history, presents more of the religious record. And that, interestingly, was a call, interestingly to all who wanted to worship God as David did, most important was placing worship at the temple in Jerusalem at the center of Israelite living. Second Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn aside to the right or the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. And in the twelfth year, he began to cleanse Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherah poles, the carved images, and the cast images. Then in his presence, the altars of Baals were torn down. And he chopped down the shrines that were above them. He shattered the Asherah poles, the carved images, and the cast images, crushed them to dust, and scattered them over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars. He cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And he did this in the same way in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as Naphtali and their surrounding mountain shrines. He tore down the altars, and he smashed the Asherah poles and the carved images to powder. He chopped down all the shrines throughout the land of Israel and returned to Jerusalem. 
In the 18th year of his reign, in order to cleanse the land and the temple, Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, along with Maseah, the governor of the city, and the court historian Joah, son of Jeho- Joahaz, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. So they went to the high priest Hilkiah and gave him the silver brought into the God's temple, and the Levites and doorkeepers had collected it from Manasseh, Ephraim, and from the entire remnant of Israel, and from all Judah and Benjamin and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I'm just going to pause. You recognize there that part of what has been collected at God's temple there is from peoples in the northern kingdom of Israel. You with me? Okay, keep continu- <laughs> continuing. They gave that money to those doing the work, those who oversaw the Lord's temple. They gave it to the workmen who were working in the Lord's temple to repair and restore the temple. They gave it to the carpenters and builders and also used it to buy quarried stone and timbers for joining and making beams for the buildings that Judah's kings had destroyed. The men were doing work with integrity. Their overseers were Jahath and Obadiah, Levites from the Merorites, and Zechariah and Meshulam from the Kohathites as supervisors. The Levites were all skilled with musical instruments. They were also over the work of the porters and were supervising all those doing the work task by task. Some of the Levites were secretaries, officers, and gatekeepers. When they brought out the silver that had been deposited in the Lord's temple, the priest Hilkiah found the book of the law of the Lord, written by the hand of Moses. Consequently, Hilkiah told the court secretary Shaphan, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And he gave the book to Shaphan. Shaphan took the book to the king. And also reported, Your servants are doing all the work that was placed in their hands. They have emptied out the silver that was found in the Lord's temple and have, found, and have given it to the overseers and to those doing the work. And then the court secretary, Shaphan, told the king, The priest Hilkiah gave me a book, and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes then he commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam son of Shaphan, Abdan son of Micah, and court secretary Shaphan, and the king's servant Isaiah, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for those remaining in Israel and Judah concerning the words of the book that was found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is poured out on us because our ancestors have not kept the word of the Lord in order to do everything written in this book. So Hilkiah and those the king had designated went to the prophetess Huldah, the wife of Shalom, son of Tokath, son of Hasra, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district, and they spoke with her about this. She said to them, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Say to the man who sent you to me, This is what the Lord says. I am about to bring disaster on this place and on its inhabitants, fulfilling all the curses written in the book that were read in the presence of the king of Judah, because they have abandoned me and burned incense to other gods so as to anger me and er, with all the works of their hands. My wrath will be poured out on this place, and it will not be quenched. Say this to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. 
As for the words that you heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard. This is the Lord's declaration. I will indeed gather you to your ancestors and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I am bringing on this place and on its inhabitants. Then they reported this to the king. So the king sent messengers and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the Levites, all the people from the oldest to the youngest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. My friends, I'm just going to say, it's one of the reasons I read every, we read the whole thing here. He read in their hearing all the words of the book in the covenant, of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. And then the king stood at his post and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his decrees and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul in order to carry out the words of the covenant written in this book. He had all those present in Jerusalem and Benjamin agree to it. So all the inhabitants of Jerusalem carried out the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. And so Josiah removed everything that was detestable from all the lands belonging to the Israelites. And he required all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God. Throughout his reign, they did not turn aside from following the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Josiah observed the Lord's Passover and slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the first month. He appointed the priests to their responsibilities and encouraged them to serve in the Lord's temple. He said to the Levites who taught all Israel the holy things of the Lord, put the holy ark in the temple built by Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Since you do not have to carry it on your shoulders, now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Organize your ancestral families by divisions according to the written instruction of King David of Israel and that of his son Solomon. Serve in the holy place by the groupings of the ancestral families for your brothers, the lay people, the, and according to the division of Levites by family. Slaughter the Passover lambs, consecrate yourselves, and make preparations for your brothers to carry out the word of the Lord through Moses. Then... Josiah donated 30,000 sheep, lambs, and young goats, plus 3,000 cattles from his personal possessions for the Passover sacrifices for all the lay people who were present. His officials also donated willingly for the people, the priests, and the Levites. Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, chief officials of God's temple, gave 2,600 Passover sacrifices and 300 cattle for the priests, Conaniah and his brothers Shemaiah and Nethanel, and Hashabiah, Jael, and Jezebad, officers of the Levites, donated 5,000 Passover sacrifices for the Levites, plus 500 cattle. So the service was established, the priests stood at their posts, and the Levites in their divisions according to the king's command. 
Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs, and while the Levites were skinning the animals, the priests splattered the blood they had been given. They removed the burnt offerings so that they might be given to the groupings of the ancestral families of the lay people to offer to the Lord according to what is written in the book of Moses. And they did the same with the cattle. They roasted the Passover lambs with fire according to regulation. They boiled the holy sacrifices in pots, kettles, and bowls, and they quickly brought them to the lay people. So the Levites made preparations for themselves and for the priests, the descendants of Aaron. The singers, the descendants of Asaph, were at their stations according to the command of David, Asaph, Heman, and Jedithan, the king's seer. Also, the gatekeepers were at each temple gate. None of them left their tasks because their Levite brothers had made preparations for them. So all the service of the Lord was established that day for observing the Passover and for offering burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord according to the command of King Josiah. The Israelites who were present in Judah also observed the Passover at that time and the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. No Passover had been observed like it in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel. None of the kings of Israel ever observed a Passover like the one that Josiah observed with the priests, Levites, all Judah, the Israelites who were present in Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, this Passover was observed. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter 45 or 35, verse 19. Are you with me? So if then, back then, the most important thing was placing worship at the temple in Jerusalem and placing that at the center of Israelite living, that was a type or a foreshadow of worship when we would be temples of the Holy Spirit. Remember our theme today, water, food, and bread are metaphors that show how spiritual appropriation of the life which Jesus gives is necessary for salvation. John chapter 6, pick it up at verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. A high wind arose, and the sea began to churn. After they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board, and at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat. They also saw that Jesus had not boarded the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone off alone. Some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his appeal, his seal of approval on him. What then can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, 
This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus told them, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Therefore the Jews started grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they were saying, Isn't this Jesus, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I have now come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone who has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly I tell you, Anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. At that, the Jews argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna your ancestors ate, and they died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. And he said these things while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. And that gets us up through chapter 6, verse 59. So, my friends, I hope you see the connection. God's plan has been God's plan all along. Interestingly, throughout the Bible, or particularly the New Testament, water, food, and bread are metaphors that show how spiritual appropriation of the life which Jesus gives is necessary for salvation. And Lord God, I just want to pray over each and every heart listening to this. Lord, I pray that 
the burning in their heart would be recognized as your spirit, either knocking at the door because they need to accept you as Lord and Savior and trust you as Lord and Savior, or Lord, that that because they already have that where you are is not only where they are, but that you are drawing yourself, them to be conformed to your image. We love you. And I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.